0: Hi, this is Dr. Jane Battenberg, author of Change Within, Change the World. In this weekly podcast, I interview changemakers who are at the cutting edge of new thought and consciousness awareness. Join me as we change within and change the world together. Today's guest is Dick Dalton from Jefferson City, Missouri, to talk about turning isolation into inspiration. Dick is a retired college professor, a radio host. He does community theater, and he's an author. His motto is, if it's to be, it's up to us. I met Dick many years ago at some uh, workshops we were attending. Oh gosh, almost 20 years ago, right, Dick?
1: (laughs) (laughs) 2002, as I recall. Thank you, Jane. My pleasure to be with you today.
0: We started talking about uh, doing a podcast together when I um, realized that you had written a poem, Sing of the Cocoon. Do you want to talk about that and maybe recite it to us?
1: This is the way uh, synchronicity seems to work sometimes in our lives. Our county here in Missouri, Cole County, just got the stay-at-home order yesterday. My wife and I were at home with our cats. About this time yesterday, I got an email that said, I wrote some words to a possible song about a cocoon, and maybe you could rewrite the words or make a song out of it, and da-da-da. Out came this poem. The poem (laughs) I posted on a poetry listserv that you happen to be tuned into and immediately <laughs> you you emailed and said would you like to be on uh, a pot, my podcast and i said yes and all of this has happened in the last 24 hours and and i'm just in deep gratitude for the way the universe can do things so this isolation that we find ourselves in by order can be a really good thing <laughs> and here's some of the inspiration that uh, resulted for me. And and I'm gonna use a couple of phrases in here that may be new to some of you. One is I refer to a judging virus. This would be the mental virus that we get infected with as kids, where we get judged and we judge ourselves and others throughout our life. And, And another phrase is a pod of consciousness. I am a pod of consciousness. So here is the poem, Sing of the Cocoon. Cocooning is an act of nature written in one's code. The caterpillar eats and eats, then builds this strange abode. Some cells are called imaginal. The rest of it is soup, the food of reconstruction, to the tune of let's regroup. Once in ancient history, a virus made its move, judging one another etched its epidemic groove. Pain and suffering followed, many died for right and wrong. And still this virus rages while some sing the song, How Long? Viruses in nature have also had their way of wreaking havoc on the earth, as corona does today. Dosages can vary and immune responses too. Societies get mobilized to minimize their rue. Essential workers risk their lives helping out the rest. Politicians wrangle over how to do what's best. Those of us that stay at home are challenged with our time. Options stare us in the face while some don't have a dime. Shall I watch another movie or call a dear old friend? Accelerate spring cleaning or escape in my pretend? Will TV help or hinder as I navigate my day? How long until I must go out and face the fearful fray? This is not cocooning on this scale of me and you, but could it be applied to this global time of goo? Our consuming was excessive. Our values so misplaced. The judging virus ruled the world. Will its systems be replaced? Will imaginal groups of people join hands in this fondue to build a better culture than has ever been construed? Will people humbly look inside and face their inner war? Will people choose forgiveness over judging as before? Thoughts. Have always ruled our lives, usually not by choice. Is now the time to examine why we hurt and then rejoice? Examine every thought we have is it based on hurt or love? Ever wonder why on a spinning globe we think heaven is above? Here is one suggestion Learn to separate thoughts from you. You're an individual, not the things you think and do. You're a pod of consciousness, observing what your senses say. Sometimes you make decisions, but mostly it's come what may. When you know that thoughts aren't you and the same with humans all, you can start to see the dilemma that caused us all to fall. You are this and they are that. We were taught to separate. I am right and you are wrong. Yes, the virus made us hate. If someone's sick with a virus, it's harder to condemn. Did they choose to get infected before the age of 10? If not, they may not know they're sick, that the virus rules their life. Don't they deserve compassion? instead of added strife? That's what we're facing. Two viruses of woe. Neither one was caused by us. The virus is the foe. Healing has its challenges in this global epic war. Revealing the true enemy seems harder than before. But one by one, in darkness, we imagine what can be. We reach out and love each other. We forgive all that we see. No one is accepted when everyone is ill. Only more compassion, more forgiveness. Take the pill. The only thing you have to lose are feeling right and wrong. Your muse is calling out to you. Let's write a new life song. Sing of understanding. Of humility and love. Sing of healing viruses or a white descending dove. Sing about the darkness when the universe appears. Sing about the blackest soil where plants arise with cheers. Sing about the mother's womb and the miracle of life. Sing of the cocoon and the butterfly in flight. The end.
0: Wow, that is fabulous, Dick.
1: I think you outdid yourself. On that. <laughs> well, that's what can happen in isolation when you have a spark of inspiration, and there you have the time to listen and allow the things to just either bubble up from your subconscious or who knows. Uh, maybe as one of your recent guests talk about the akashic records maybe maybe there was some filtering in from another part of the uh, the planes of of mind that may be around us all the time
0: mm. you think that dogs <laughs> were harder to train look at how humans can't even sit and stay
1: that may have to do with how we have not learned To just uh, love ourselves, that's a big thing. Do we enjoy quiet time with just us? That's a hard thing for a lot of people is to go through this personal examination time that brings about, boy, oh, wow, I got some alone time. This is fantastic. Oh, I have this list of books I've been wanting to read now. I wonder if I just open to a poem. You know, there's a song. There's so many things that we have just at our fingertips to do, but not everybody's uh, tuned in to, to enjoy that opportunity.
0: So you talked about um, judging um and and our thoughts i'm just going to take a little right turn in in our conversation and can you tell me what you mean by judging i mean we all have opinions and sure
1: okay uh the judging virus actually it it's a whole chapter of uh of my my book uh because it is so uh, pandemic <laughs> it's everywhere and it starts so simply uh, as here we are, just a, a baby with a, a mind and, and emotions, just uh, just bare. You know, just sort of we're virgin, right? Here comes parent or a, a brother or sister or any kind of outside of us person, and and they say something that is harsh with a tone, with a a stress, with a possibly a slap or a spank, uh, something that makes us not feel good. And it doesn't take but a year or two to start to have words that associate with that. Well, the virus has already infected us from the person that already had it. They were upset. They felt like they were gonna to have to control us and and we were wrong and they were right and and i did everything you, you shouldn't be crying like that and you know <laughs> there's all kinds of examples that could be used so we we get infected but we don't know that we're infected
0: so the judging comes from then, internal and then it comes back internal and as we judge ourselves as adequate or not
1: right Right, exactly. Self-condemning, inadequate, I'm no good. Suicide based on the judging virus that is condemning us, talks us into it. And and if we have already, which many don't have, the the belief that I am not my thoughts. So if we have that idea that we can start to say, wow, that's a self-condemning thought. That's not me. When did I get that self-condemning thought? Well, I may not be able to go to the day and the hour, but I can, I can see how this pattern has worked in my life. And I can sort of hear how my relationships with others reinforced that or could have planted it back before I have a memory of it right now. And so this virus doesn't care who it points at. It'll point out and say they're no good and I'm good or they'll point in and say, I'm no good and they're good. And it's always that comparing better than, worse than. It's like a teeter-totter that we ride on day in and day out. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down based on how that judging virus is, uh, is working at the moment.
0: So I'm, I'm seeing um, as we do this, we go, okay, our friends are good, uh, those other people are not so good the Republicans and the Democrats, you know, I mean, we, we polarize, we're constantly polarizing by our judging.
1: Judging does that. Judging exactly does that. It separates us. It, it gets our emotions hyped up. You know, we may watch the TV and, and all of a sudden we're mad and we're cursing and, and, uh, and then we call a friend of ours who agrees with us and, oh boy, well, Hey, we're there. We know what's right, don't we? And, and, so we're good. They're bad. And then maybe a friend says, where did you get that? I saw a post on your Facebook. That's wrong. I mean, where did you get that? And, and then all of a sudden we feel stupid because we didn't check it out with snoops or snopes or whatever that is to, to fact check it. And so now we're, even with a friend of ours, we could be in that uh, self-condemning mode for a time, you know, until the virus kicks in the other way and we feel smarter than somebody on something else.
0: So you said, I am not my thoughts.
1: I am not my thoughts. You are not your thoughts either, Jane. Okay. So what (laughs) am I? I'm not my thoughts. (laughs) Exactly. And here is the, the cool thing. You Jane are an individual pod of consciousness observing. What your senses are reporting, observing the thoughts that bubble up from your subconscious that have been programmed by other people over the time, and now and then you actually make a decision either about what to think or what to do. But usually, uh, as our neuroscience people are telling us more and more uh, over 95% of our behaviors, both mental and physical, are automatic. We're just on a robot mode. Our habits are are just uh, that controlling of our life. So it's really a valuable moment when we actually make a decision to look at a thought that's about to tell us that we're stupid and say, ha, ha caught you. You're just that old stupid thought, and I am not going to believe you anymore. I am not stupid. I'm a pot of consciousness. I've got lots of thoughts. I've been taught lots of things, and I've been taught I was stupid, but I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm going to change my mind. Oh, that reminds me of somebody's book, Uh, Change Within. Uh, Yeah. Oh, that's your book, Jane. Uh, That's the way we make changes is by being able to identify a thought a feeling a behavior habit and say that is not me i see it i see it working and i can change that i can substitute a different thought for the old thought i can substitute a new behavior for an old behavior and since we have so many 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 thoughts and habit behaviors we have to just step through it. And it's really helpful if we keep some kind of a, uh, keep tabs on it with either a notebook or some call it a journal or a diary or some way that we, we really make this part of the focus. At the, what a great time to do it while we're in isolation. <laughs> this could be so inspiring for, for folks to take this time and start examining our thoughts, our behaviors. Why did I think that? Really, seriously, why did I think that? Why, why do I hold this belief about this issue at this moment? Why am I afraid? And afraid is just an imagination of something that hasn't happened yet. So, why am I feeling fear? It's good to have substitutes. I try to, in my book, I have several places that we talk about, things that we can substitute for different thoughts and and attitudes that we have.
0: Okay, so I'm getting the idea that, and see if this uh, captures what you're talking about. So I'm in a river, and the river is just taking me along, and and the river is my feelings and emotions about life as I go along. And then I decide I'm going to get out of the river. So I'm looking down at the river, and I can see the river of emotions and thoughts that I was in and also separate from it. So as a sort of a one-off from my thoughts or in my emotions, I'm stepping back to see what I was in.
1: Well, it's so true that we have a flow of thoughts that just seems to never stop unless we actually intentionally make it slow down slow down the thoughts slow down the the thoughts see one thought see another thought i guess that would be getting out of the river by you know stepping into the the shallow part first where we're slowing down the thoughts and then a little shallower and then actually we're we're not in the river and we're looking at things as they go by if we can use the analogy that way yeah does that work for you
0: yeah and so i'm i'm wondering are what's the relationship between thoughts and feelings because i a lot of times i'm just uh i'm at the effect of my feelings more than my thoughts Mm -hmm. my thoughts come out of those feelings Mm -hmm. yes
1: well the way i've learned to look at it is that somewhere there is a belief underneath the feeling. Now, we know as a baby, 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 little bitty one, they don't have beliefs yet, and they seem to have feelings of reacting to pain and uh, stress and different things because our physical habits, which emotion Is part of develop all the way from inside the womb throughout our life so once we have beliefs say for instance I believe that something in the dark is going to reach out and get me then whenever we go into a dark place we may not think that thought again but fear wells up in us Mm-hmm. Or when we believe that I have to be in control or else I'll die. Well, we get into a, a situation where we're out and there's no control. Maybe fear wells up in us and we, we think, oh, I'm going to die. And we panic. You know? mm-hmm. Beliefs that, again, mates be well down in our subconscious, but yet they still have a controlling power over which emotions are going to show themselves.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Does, does that feel...
0: Yeah, that feels, it, yeah. <laughs> that feels right. Yeah. Emotions. <laughs> okay, so do you have any um, uh, suggestions? I think you had... Uh, five ways to to have intentional living strategies
1: i I do have uh some different tools that i that i offer through my book i I told you that uh one agreement was be impeccable with your word Uh, the second one is don't take anything personally and this has a, a really huge connection to i am not my thoughts The third one is don't make assumptions. Fourth, always do your best. And then the fifth agreement is be skeptical, but learn to listen. And here is that that one that talks about self-examination. Be skeptical of the things we've believed in the past and be skeptical of what we hear coming in because it's all just thoughts that people have had here and there. And it's filtered through their own belief systems and experiences in life, and we have to. It's it's a hard thing to really get to what is real, what it, what is reality, what is underneath all this. Okay, so so
0: um, when you first started talking about this, I thought, oh well, skepticism is judging, and then I then I'm running that through, and I'm thinking, oh no. Uh, Skepticism is discernment, like you... Thank
1: you. That's the perfect word. Skepticism is discernment. And that is one of my five strategies for intentional living. And each of the beginning words starts with a D, the letter D. So originally, they were called the five Ds for controlling your tears, your thoughts, Emotions, actions, relationships, spirit.
0: You can say it one more time.
1: Thought- yes, the five D's for controlling your tears, and tears would be the acronym for thoughts, emotions, actions, relationships, spirit. Okay. Okay, so here's the five D's Perfect. number one, determine from your yearnings, a goal or project. Oh. So if we wanted to apply this in our isolation time, it would be great if we were able to just be quiet enough to tap into our personal yearnings. What have what I yearned to be able to do when I was in grade school or any time in our life that that has just sort of been under a rock, you know, it's just been closed off from us. Take time to determine from our yearnings a goal or a project. Number two, discern, there's our discernment word, discern your allies from your obstacles along the way. Oh. So, so here we have the hero's journey. You want to you want to notice in the journey, the allies, the, the, the helpers. And, you know, these resources are, again, almost endless. We, we go all the way back to our ancestors that may be uh, in some of our belief systems. They're just eager to help us. It may be invisible uh, realm things going on. It may be friends. It could be a book we have. You know, it could be things in our own subconscious. There's just so many allies available, and we want to see the obstacles, which oftentimes are these old habit thoughts and behaviors and emotional patterns that put up the roadblock. Oh, well, you know, that's a stupid idea, Uh, I tried that once, and it didn't work out. And, you know, <laughs> that, that there, there's a judging virus again. you know, Right there at us. Oh, it'll never work out. <laughs> oh, terrible. So then, no, number three. Strategy number three. Decide that you are the one that can and will do this. Make a decision. Do it. Just make a decision. I'm the one that can and will do this this project that i've been yearning to to work on uh, or accomplish this goal that just never been able to take the time to to do number four dig for more understanding by asking questions how do you do that you ask questions you dig by asking questions and and you know we don't understand everything but there are some people that have a little different perspective than we do so let's have a question? Be on a quest.
0: So I'm, I'm wondering. So I ask questions of myself, or Google, or authorities, all, or what? all
1: of, all of the above. We can ask uh, our own subconscious. You know what? <laughs> where did that thought come from? <laughs> why did? Why do I keep having this or doing that? Uh, so yeah, it's an internal questioning it could be a google question which by the way uh that phrase pod of consciousness i was close to finishing my book and i i was still looking for a phrase that that would help describe an individual or a soul or uh the gardener that i talk about in the book and and i had this phrase just come through my mind pod of consciousness and i thought Wow, I kind of like that. Uh, I better google it. <laughs> so so I googled, you know, in quotes, "Pod of consciousness, one hit, only one in the whole world. And so uh, I thought, hey, I can go with this. I can put this in my book." And it became so useful to me that uh, that's that's how I dug for more understanding by asking questions first of asking just here, asking the universe, what's another phrase? What's another phrase? And an answer came and then further, well, let's check it out. Is this, maybe everybody's using this. So that's the way asking questions works for me. And number five.
0: Okay. Before you go on this pod of consciousness, I don't, I mean, it's, it's catchy, but I don't understand it. What's a pod of consciousness?
1: Ah, wonderful. All right. As one of my people in my book is Dr. Dan Siegel. Uh, he's one of the few people that has written a definition of mind. And he says that the mind is an emergent self-organizing process that arises from the flow of energy within embodied neural activity and relational communication. I know, that's a long phrase. But to break it down, we have communication coming from people around us. That's our relational communication. And it comes through our senses, which is our embodied neural activity. In all of that, there is an emergent self-organizing process that he calls the mind. And that all you're right? calling your pod of consciousness. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. No, just the mind. Just the mind. And, and this is kind of important because we have this process going on. We have these relationships that are continuing. And we have this brain that is embodied, that is taking in all of this information. and we're not yet a self-aware individual or pot of consciousness. Now we're conscious. We're hearing all of this. It's all coming in. We're seeing it. We're feeling it. There are emotions. You know, the pen sticks. Is ah, ooh, that hurts. I don't like that. Or, or the parent is feeling stress, and we can feel it through their touch or even through their vibrations. So all those things are part of consciousness, but that around the age of two, when there's enough quantity and quality of information, there's a self-awareness moment that takes place when I describe by saying, I'm the one they've been talking about and we begin to see ourselves as we are who they've described. We have a different way of looking at it, and that's in my my view, my paradigm, is that's the pod of consciousness, and I could even say of self-consciousness, that then believes all those things for a time until something gets questioned, uh, wow they told me that if i step on a crack it'll break my my mother's back and so i go to grade school and i i never step on a crack cuz i i don't want to break my mother's back and then somebody says well that that's just an old lifestyle. tale it's stupid you can step on a crack watch here like i'll step on a crack i'm not going to break my mother's back And we change our mind on that so we we do little steps of of uh changing and and it's the that pod of consciousness and and pod Okay, I define it as an individual pod of consciousness energetically connected to all that exists because no one lives in a vacuum. We're all part of the energetic fabric of the universe and however many universes there are. And this pod of consciousness has a body, but it's not the body. It has thoughts, but it's not the thoughts it has feelings it has relationships it has spirit but it's not those things because an individual is a unique indivisible being and i have a body but i'm not my body you know all these things and what i the pot of consciousness do is make decisions when i'm aware or awake And I follow through when I exercise my power of will. So in that sense, the pod of consciousness is what is our awareness, our observation. That's that's me observing. And then on occasion, it's me making decisions when I feel like I have a choice. And me that has a will that can be exercised to follow through on that decision. Uh-huh. So here, is that you know? It's yeah. it's kind of a big piece, but it it has uh, it has legs under it.
0: <laughs> okay. So so now, before I lose this whole train of thought, what's your fifth D?
1: Yeah, the fifth D is don't give up on this possibility of a better world, because if it is to be, it is up to us. <clears throat> Okay, so, so can you review those five again? Yes, I, I, I'd, I'd love to. So there's five strategies for intentional living. One, determine from your yearnings a goal or project. Two, discern your allies and your obstacles along the way. Three, decide that you are the one that can and will do this. Four, Dig for more understanding by asking questions. Five, don't give up on this possibility of a better world. Mm. And the, the bottom line is because if it is to be, it is up to us.
0: Wow. Mm. I bet you miss teaching.
1: Well, uh,
0: yes and no. I Because you're, you're going on to greener pastures to teach, like podcasts. <laughs>
1: well and even writing the book you know oh. i needed i needed isolation from teaching in order to have the quiet time to write the book in order to get your inspiration exactly i mean you know, i'd had these things i had been yearning <laughs> there you go first strategy i had been yearning to have the time to put these thoughts down in some way that that could be transmitted to others in a a book form and boy I retired and every morning meditation time I had my notebook handy and it just started to things started working together and it, it took about a little over a year and a half to get it in pretty good order. So you
0: turned your isolation into inspiration?
1: I did. I did. It was, it was, it was something I had longed to do. I yearned to do. And, and that's what anyone hopefully can, can learn to do when they feel that they're in this isolation time is to check in on their own yearning and find a project or a goal that they can begin to, to manifest or work on.
0: And your book, which is, um, on Amazon it's right. called I Am Not My Thoughts by Dick Dalton, right?
1: Right. And the subtitle is really, really helpful. The subtitle says, thoughts rule your life until you get the revelation, they are not you. Hmm. So that's sort of our choice moment, right? Yep. Well, what do I do? I, do I want to be ruled by my thoughts or do I want to have control over some of those thoughts?
0: So all of any, them. Any last minute um pithy comments or thoughts that you'd like to end before we close the show?
1: Well, uh, there's a, a I would like to give a, a shout out um, to my teachers along the way. Um I I had Many years uh, in training and in action as a a non-denominational Christian minister, about 25 years of that. And so, if people see my book, they'll see that I'm not uh, preaching, but I'm also not afraid to tie some of these things to uh, writings of the of the scriptures, and not just Christian or Jewish scriptures, but there's things from the Hindu Vedas and and other places around the world. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Jean Houston, who has uh, been one of my mentors in terms of affording space and, and time. And uh, if I could just give a, a real short example of of this, Jean took us back in time uh, to see if we saw ourselves. <laughs> and there was some uh, appropriately soft music in the background and she said, okay, now, just close your eyes and, and go back uh, 50 years. Do you see yourself 50 years ago? And then 100. And, well, she kept going. It kept going. And I, I was thinking, man, yeah, this is one of those exercises. This ain't working for me. <laughs> and it, it became almost, uh, I, I don't know, I, I lost track of where she was in her time. But it, she just kept going incessantly. And I heard her say 10,000 years ago. And instantly, I was a Kalahari desert woman nursing my son on my left breast. I pulled him from my breast, turned him around to face in front of me and held him up and offered him to the future with the prayers of my people. And then I was back in the room. and i I, I was kind of freaking out. I, I, I'd never I, I didn't know what happened. And I ran up to another one of your podcast guests, Peggy Rubin. (laughs) I said, Peggy, let me tell you what just happened. And she calmly turned and said, oh, it happens all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, if people go back and listen to your uh, podcast of Jean, she's talking about time and how to use time in different ways. And this was one of her exercises for that. And then of course, Peggy on happiness, and and uh, that's it's a great podcast too. Uh, but what I'm getting at is, it. I, I wondered what was happening. I didn't know. I, I couldn't figure it out. But as I learned and got this phrase, pod of consciousness." A pot of consciousness is not confined to a physical body. Uh, for instance, say a, a person is on the operating table and they're, you know, anesthesia and all that's going on, and, and, and we have these reports of people that seem to rise above the operating table and observe the room. And later, after the operation, they report all these different things that were said and, and, and details of it that they, how would they know unless it, they were actually aware and, and I understand that to be this pod of consciousness that's unwired from the physical body, but can still be aware and move around. So we've t- heard about uh, out of body experiences and, and so on. Well, it seems as though, as a pod of consciousness in that exercise with Gene Houston, that I instantly moved into another. What appeared to be another time, ten thousand years ago, but as Jean also says right up front in her in her podcast, that you know there is the quantum physics belief that past, present, future all exist in the same relative time. And I also want to say uh, that it was great to have you on my radio show, Glocal, That's G L O C A L. Glocal news and social artistry. That is a part of the community radio station KOPn.org uh, 89.5 FM out of Columbia, Missouri. Uh, because you had written your book Change Within, Change the World. I had already read and practiced things from your first book, the uh, I Yoga EYE Yoga, using what we've learned to share with others at this really difficult time of like you say isolation and I really hope that people can take advantage of this time and uh, turn their isolation into inspiration uh, whether it be poetry song uh, any project that they've had a yearning for
0: (laughs) self-reflection
1: yes self-reflection is a biggie right
0: well Dick Thank you very much for your words of wisdom and your explanations. I so much appreciate your being on the show.
1: Well, it's my, it's my great pleasure. I don't know if, if you want to take the time, but there is a, a song that came out of another form of isolation that has really become meaningful to a number of people. I, I don't know if you have time for that. Oh, please. It's uh, taking the tune of Leonard Cohen's uh, Alleluia, putting different words to it, as many people have done, I, I come to understand. I heard my old professor say in health class just the other day, you don't really know how old you are now, do you? The atoms of dust, water, and air were forged in stars before earth was there when the sons and daughters of God sang Alleluia. A day with the Lord is a billion years. Conditions were right to make protein for gears. A double helix now turns it all into you. Inside us we have parts of all. The last descendants to hear the call with minds and hearts to seek the Alleluia. But as we reach back to the stars, our air is filled with filth from cars, and everywhere you turn, they sock it to you. However, there are those who care for our earth, our food, our water and air, and give their lives. To heal the Alleluia. We live in a present that's free to all. Take time to heed the inner call of the guides who over the years have been speaking to you. With words of harmony, peace, and love. With images of a descending dove. With interdependence in all the Alleluia. So now we join our hearts and pray each person in their special way to live the dream the gods are bringing to you. And with every breath and look you give, be grateful for the life you live and share your love with all the alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jane.
0: Oh, thank you. So you don't miss any of our shows, make sure you subscribe to podcast.changewithin.com or click the subscribe button below. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Jane Battenberg.